Well, I'm glad you're here today. I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad to see your faces. Um, you're not picking your nose. You're staying in your chair. This is great. We're off to a good start. I won't go over the rules. I think we're good. Thank you, Don. Thank you, Don. You don't have to continue. I don't, I don't know how to do that. So, <laughs> thank you, though. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, you're done. I'm done with you. But, um, I, I don't know what to do with that soft stuff in the background. Like, do I be serious? Do I? I don't know. I don't know. Um, so, I uh, am Lori Stiefel. If you didn't catch that earlier, Kids Ministry Director. I love you. Um, and it is an honor to be here with you for Mother's Day. Pastor Drew called and said, hey, you're with the kids all the time, and I know you know how they behave, so it would probably be good for you to speak to the moms about their behavior. And so I said, yes, please. I'm just kidding. That's not what he said. Not at all. Um, but, I, wow, there's just so many of you. <laughs> So many. Um, before I begin, I do want to recognize the fact that every class from Babies to Kids House today has been staffed with men, boat service. Is that not awesome? I like, If you served in the early service in one of our classes, men, would you stand up? I just, I can't tell you. Stand up. Come on, stand Max, stand up. Stand up, Brian. Yep. Look at this. Where's Matt Coleman? He was, he's in here somewhere. Yeah. I, I can't, like, oh, oh, it blesses my heart that these, and there's men in there right now, Brandon McCarley and Chad Moran, and all the way down, I can't even remember them all, but I just, I talked to some other friends in kids ministry, and I told them that the men in our church had agreed to staff all of the classes on Mother's Day so that all of the women could just be fed. And they were all, uh, three different ones were like, there is no way we would be able to talk our men into doing that. There is no way. And I said, well, at Lifehouse, they will. <laughs> and I honor you dads and, and non-dads. We had uh, just so many awesome men that stepped up and filled the void. Pastor Drew was in Kids House in the 9 o'clock service. <laughs> that right there, name another pastor that would serve in kids ministry. There aren't any. So he didn't lose any kids. And they all came down and told me they learned about Paul and Silas. So well done, Pastor Drew. Yeah, it's a good day in the house. Um, I also wanted to say this. I told a friend that I would share this, and I hope she's okay with it. So four years ago, when I spoke on Mother's Day the last time, we prayed for moms in all different phases of life. But one of the group of moms we prayed for were struggling with infertility. And we had two moms we prayed for that year um, that the Lord would bless them. And four years later, they both have babies. So let's just raise the Lord. Julie got her baby, and one of the other moms has a baby boy. It's all boys, too. Like, I don't, the Lord just keeps sending the boys, the boys and boys and boys. Uh, there will be churches well-staffed with men down the road. <laughs> so many boys. But, yeah, God's faithful. And I just wanted to share that with you because it's faith building, and that's what we need to be doing, sharing our testimonies because it builds faith. It's important. All right. Um, so when Pastor Drew asked me to do this about a month ago, I was like, immediately the Lord started talking to me about some things I, I was going to share with you. And I was so excited because I'm like, whoa, okay, I've got this. 
And, and, and I went to a Sisters Keeper group. If you're a Sisters Keeper, give me a woo-woo. It was so good. Yeah, we love Sisters Keepers group. If you haven't done that, I think it'll be in the fall too, maybe. Maybe there will be a Sisters Keep, Keeper group. If there is, sign up. It is good. Um, but even in group, the Lord confirmed in me this, this message I was going to preach. And I had four weeks and I got, I had videos and some cool illustrations I was going to use. And then last week he said, that was just for you. That was a message for you only. You're going to do something different for Mother's Day. So here we are, starting from scratch this past Monday. So I have no cool videos. I have no illustrations for you. You just get me and the words coming out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try. So I, uh, I hope that you will grant me the grace to speak to the moms today. I know sometimes we want to, on Mother's Day, make sure that we don't leave out anybody else in the house, but I think it's important one time a year that we just really pour in to the moms. They need it. Amen? Amen. I'm a mom also, by the way. I forgot to mention that. I'm not. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Happy Mother's Day. Um, I got three kids. If you don't know my kids, I think most of you know my kids. Brayden is 11. Wave, Brayden. Don't slide down in the chair. He's 11, going on 15, or he's so big. And then Hudson, who is nine, yeah, he stands away. <laughs> and then Annie Rose is seven right there, my little Annie Rose. And I have my mom here today. I forgot to tell the early service. My mom's here also. Yeah, Nana's here. Um, so I, I am a mom, and it's because I'm such an extraordinary mom that Pastor Drew asked me to speak to you. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> No, I am a mom who depends heavily on my relationship with the Lord to steward my children and not harm them. To steward them and not harm them. Um, so I, I have a message for moms today, and I, I hope that you will be okay with that. Um, so pray for me as I pray for you, and we're going to move on. God, I thank you for the people in this house. I thank you for the moms you brought today on purpose. I thank you that you're going to open hearts and minds to hear what you have for them to hear. I pray that you would guide my heart and guide my words. In your name we pray and we all said, amen. amen. I like to hear voices. Isn't that right, Kids House Kids? Yeah. Yeah, it is. All right, so I want to start with talking about what the world expects of a good mom. There's not many things, just a few things, but there are some expectations. We are expected to have the wisdom of Solomon to be a good mom, right? Say Amen. You guys are quiet. You got alive and up. The 9 o'clock service was way more excited and alive. And they had to get up earlier than you. So wake up. Uh, so the wisdom of Solomon. We got to know what to say, when to say it, uh, in all of the situations, along every age and phase of life. We got to be prepared for questions that are hard. We got to have the wisdom of Solomon. We got to be able to say, cut the baby in half and everybody's happy, right? That's what we say. Like Solomon, if you haven't read that story, go back and read it. Um, we also have to have just the patience of Job. Don't you dare lose your temper with your children. Don't you dare raise your voice at your kids. You will scar them. When they've asked you the same question eight times in a row that you've already answered 12, don't you get that tone in your voice because they will hear it. They will feel the stress in you and it will affect them. 
don't do that. Don't do that. We also need the organization of Pinterest. Yes. We need to roll our socks up in the drawer really neat and cute. We need to have those fancy little uh, uh, canisters with the written um, noodles, brown rice, white rice, like Kristen has in her pantry. Because God forbid we just stick the box of noodles on the shelf and walk away. I mean, who wants to put cereal boxes in the pantry? Can't do that and be a good mom. Can't do that. The kids got to be able to see what's in it. We don't want them to have to read the boxes. That's too much. We also have to have the creativity of God. We need themed dinners like the McCarley household. <laughs> themed dinners. We got to have homemade teacher gifts. We spend hours on just the label, you know, that says to my special teacher from your special student. Hours on that label. And then try to just create something really fast to put that fancy label on. We've got to have the creativity of God. These are all things to make us be the superhero mom the world expects of us. I was once, I wore my cape today so that I could talk about this. I was once a superhero mom. Um, it happened one time. <laughs> I'm going to share this story because it's so fun to me. Um, so a few years back, I homeschool my kids. I didn't tell you that. A few years back, it was this, just a weekday, and we had paused for lunch, and all the kids helped me make lunch, and then we set it on the table, and they tend to want to stretch lunchtime as long as possible. You know, they've got all this conversation they want to have and because they're avoiding the schoolwork that comes after the lunch. So I set them down at the table, and I'm like, guys, focus on the lunch. You're, you're going to eat your lunch. I've got to go to the bathroom. Eyes on your plate. Eyes on your plate. Eat the lunch. Got to get through. Eat the lunch. Yeah, yeah, okay, Mommy. Well, our dining room has a wall with a staircase, and you go through this door around here. There's a little half bath right here. Like, there's a wall between the half bathroom and the dining room. So I go in there, go to the half bath, and the moment my rear end sits on the toilet seat, I hear chaos ensue in the dining room. Like, they heard the bathroom door shut, and it was like, party time in the dining room. So I open the door, and in a moment, my children are going to all three put their fingers in their ears. Do you look at my eyeballs? You're going to put your fingers in your ears when I tell you to. So I open the door to the bathroom to say, you know, quiet down and eat your lunch. But, all right, fingers in your ears, boys and girls, fingers in your ears, Hudson Joel. <laughs> so I open, this is going to crush them, open the door, and I realize there's a, there's a mirror at the end of my staircase, and I can see see the angle is just right that I can see Hudson Joel. <laughs> I know, I know he had me on this pedestal. He's about, he's figuring it all out. I can see Hudson Joel standing up in the dining chair, standing straight up. And this is the same kid that just two years before had stood up in a dining chair and fell forward and busted his mouth on the table. And we had to go to the ER with his teeth all crazy and all kinds of damage to his mouth. So I'm a little bit touchy about Kids standing in chairs, <laughs> specifically that one. So I open the door and I can see in the mirror, I'm like, Hudson Joel, sit down. You know you're not supposed to be standing in chairs. And he freezes. <laughs> Y'all remember, right? Hudson, I can hear Hudson and Annie go talking. How did she know? <laughs> one of them says, 
And then I hear Brayden say, Hudson, God tattled on you. <laughs> I was a superhero mom that day. I could see the walls. So now you know, boys and girls, I, I am just human. <laughs> I am sorry I've crushed your belief in my superpowers. But I wore a cape that day. Um, those expectations, though, are really just skimming the surface of what the world expects of us. We also have to keep up with jobs. We've got to spend time with our spouse. You know, those require some time if you have one of those. You have friendships you've got to maintain. You need to talk to your friends. You need to go out and have some coffee while your house is in shambles and laundry's piled up and you really need to be helping your kid with homework, but you're supposed to go out with friends and have coffee sometimes. So you got to go do that. You've also got extended family that you need to call and talk to and you need to go to the events that are out of town and go see the cousin graduate and go to the wedding. And then we also need to make sure we have a social media presence because if you don't have a social media presence, do you exist? So you've got to do that. And then you've got your, your church volunteer work and your other community involvements. We've got just a few expectations that the world has on us. But this is my favorite one. Also, slow down and cherish the moments. <laughs> how? Tell me how. <laughs> Seasoned women of God, when did you, where did you do that? Where did you squeeze that in, slowing down? and Show me how you did that. It's not possible. It's not possible. So then we have the mom guilt. So we're like, okay, I've done all these, I've got all these things. It's getting out of control. I need balance in my life. Everybody say balance. Balance. I need work-life balance. Our family just needs balance. I need to walk the tightrope and everything just needs to be right. But I'm going to set you free right here. Prepare yourself. (laughs) Stop putting balance on a pedestal. It does not exist. It is an illusion. Say amen right there because that's, that's good stuff. It is an illusion. Thank you, ma'am. It is an illusion. It is a mirage out there that we're chasing. And chasing that balance causes anxiety. And then we pass down warrior to our kids instead of warrior because we're just too busy chasing that balance. In Ecclesiastes, we read that For everything, there is a season. So I'm not reaping while I'm sowing. I'm not battling while I'm cooking. There is a season. Some things are left behind while I'm working on this. There's a season for everything. Balance does not exist. What does exist is God's plan for your life. That exists. In Jeremiah, God tells us, For I know the plans I have for you. Not you. You don't know the plans. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, plans for a hope and a future. I want us to open to Isaiah 49, verses 2 through 3, and you know how I feel about Bible on the phone, so don't even pull it out. We've talked about this. It is a distraction. They're going to magically put it up on the wall for you if you didn't bring your real Bible. Isaiah 49, verses 2 through 3, says, He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. You know what the splendor of Israel was? Their children, their generation after generation after generation. In you, I will display my splendor. He said, 
you are a polished arrow concealed in his quiver. Now, right here, he's not talking about our children. We like to go to that scripture, children are arrows in the hand of a mighty warrior. They are, true. But right here, we read, you, mom, are an arrow in the hand of your father, a polished arrow concealed in his quiver. Well, why is that significant, you ask me? Go ahead. Why is that significant? Well, here you go. Because we set the tone of our home, moms. Fair or not, we set the tone. When mom's feeling glum and she really is hoping that dad will like, you know, be bubbles and rainbows and cupcakes for the household, he seems to kind of be like, oh, something's off. Kids, you know. Like, it just seems to reflect mom's feeling good, so everybody's, yeah, this is good. The day is good. This is good. Moms, we set the tone in our home, and as a result, we set the tone in our culture. Is it fair? I don't think so. I don't think so. I will say no. It's not fair. But is it truth? Absolutely. It's a burden, but we got to carry it. We set the tone. All right, let's, let's stop trying to be the superhero mom, put away all that nonsense the world's put in front of us, and let's start trying to be that polished arrow we've been called to be right here. Let's be that polished arrow. Well, how do we do that, Miss Lori? Not Miss Lori. I did it again. I am your peer. How do we do that, Lori? Well, this is how we do that. We start with step one. I'm going to give you some practical things here. If I had really thought this through, I'd given them stuff to put up there. But I didn't do that. Step one, we're going to be a kingdom seeker. Say kingdom seeker. Kingdom seeker. seeker. Well, what does that look like? You stop seeking balance and you start seeking his kingdom. Not real complicated. Seek his kingdom. In Matthew chapter 6, he tells us, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you. Seek first his kingdom. Okay, seek first his kingdom. I got it. I got it, Lord. I'm going to seek first his kingdom. How, what, what, how do I do that? Well, this is real easy. The moment you open your eyes in the morning, you say, God, I give you my day. My day is yours. Have it your way. First thing that comes out of your mouth. Now, you may have to say that 17 more times that day. God, I give you my day. I give you my day. I give you my day. God, remember, I gave you my day. 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 Have your way. But this is how we seek his kingdom. It says, God, I don't want the kingdom of this world. I want your kingdom, so I'm giving you my day. Have your way. And when I do that, when I seek first his kingdom, he tells me that all these things will be given unto me. So all that stuff I've been trying to balance, all those plates I've been trying to carry, they just line up where he says they need to line up. Does that mean that everything's going to be perfect and nothing's going to fall through the cracks? Absolutely not. But what does fall through the cracks was chosen by him. Maybe you weren't supposed to be at that event that you missed because God knew your kids were sitting at home and they needed to talk to you. Maybe you weren't supposed to go hang out with your friends because your kids sitting at home needing your attention. God will make what is important to him happen for you if you will seek First, his kingdom. One thing I think we struggle with is, well, well okay, all right, I'm going to seek first his kingdom. But then we tend to want to talk about, our, well, getting our priorities in line, our priorities. Get those in line. That'll help me out. This is interesting to me. It may not be to you. But the word priorities did not even exist 
until the 20th century. There was no plural form of priority because there really is only one priority. Amen? There is one priority. Quit trying to organize those priorities and just focus on the one. The one priority we have. Seek first his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. I believe that if I can, if I do that, if I'm seeking his kingdom first, his plans for me will will happen. And I also, there's a stink bug on the stage. And I'm going to step on him and then y'all going to smell it. I'm just, yep, that distracted me. I'm sorry. So (laughs) we are... (laughs) Seek versus kingdom, seek versus kingdom, where is it? Yep, yep, seek versus kingdom. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. If I'm seeking his kingdom first, his plans for me will happen. And, and also, I have to honestly believe that he will multiply my time, just like the loaves and the fish. He can multiply my time. Pastor Drew's preached on that numerous times, but there's your reminder. He will multiply your time. Just like the loaves and the fish. All right, step two. So we're going to, first off, we're going to be a kingdom seeker. Step two, I hope this don't hurt your feelings, but we're going to have to be Bible literate, y'all. We got to know the word. We got to be Bible literate. In Deuteronomy 6, verse 5 through 7, they might get it up before me. Oh, they did. All right. It tells us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's one of our favorites, right? It's beautiful. We love that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. But let's keep going. He says, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Not under the seat in the car. Not underneath the magazines on the nightstand. In your heart. Impress them on your children. Okay, all right, so how, how, do I, how do I be a kingdom seeker? How do I be a godly mom? Well, this is pretty clear right here. I need to love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. And I got to make sure that these commandments are on my heart. And then I impress them on my children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Okay, so I got to talk about these scriptures with my kids. While we're in the car, you know that, you know, you're on the road, it says it right there. So while I'm on the road driving in my car, I should be able to talk about my scriptures. Right before we go to bed, when you lie down, we should be able to talk about the scripture. When we wake up in the morning, we should be talking about it. We cannot pass on what we do not possess. We have to put this in our heart so that we can give it to our kids. It's commanded. Impress it on your kids. Moses was not talking to the teachers and the preachers here. He was talking to the moms and the dads. Mama, he was talking to you. Are you listening? The church is in a strange time where we know all of the new worship music. We can sing it forwards and backwards. We know the band. We know who's in the band. We know what church that band is anchored to or whatever they call it from. (laughs) We know all of that, but we don't have any idea what scripture that song came from. We don't know, have any idea where to find that scripture in here. Maybe it's not even scripture. Maybe it is. Did you know that for God so loved the world that he, that's John 3, 16. That's scripture. You're singing scripture there. But most church folk, they ain't got no idea. 
our truth, our Bible, our word is our hope. It is our truth. Why would we not open it? Why would we not shove it down our throats? <laughs> Why would we not dwell in it? It is our hope. Do we want to be hopeless? Do we want our kids to be hopeless? No, that's an easy answer, right? No. Well, here's the hope. Here's the answer. For some reason, the Bible is so much heavier than our phone. It's so much easier to just pick that up. Well, I didn't even bring mine up here. It's so much easier to pick that up than this. In 15 minutes on our phone, we could have done 75 things. We've paid a bill. We've checked our kids' grades. We've looked at the weather. We've, we've got done all these things in 15 minutes. So, like, oh, I'd rather do that. But 15 minutes a day in your word turns into 91 hours in a year, which is about four days. <laughs> four days. 15 minutes a day is four days in the word. And I'm going to say it again. I said it this morning, and it was kind of gross, but I'm going to say it anyways. Some of you dads spend three times that long in the bathroom in the morning. <laughs> I, I know one who does, at least. <laughs> like... 45 minutes in the bathroom, you, you'd spend 12 days in the Word that year. Come on. Take that in there with you and put down the sports news. Read your Word. I know it's gross, but it's the truth. I'm speaking truth today. We must be intimately connected to our Word. Psalms 78 verse 5, I want to read that one to you too. I've got a lot of scripture today, but I'm preaching about it, so I might as well use it, right? Okay, Psalm 78 verse 5 through 8 tells us, he decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our forefathers to teach their children. There it is again. So the next generation would know them. So we've got these laws. We've got this word. And he says, you've got to teach your children. So the next generation will know them, even the children yet to be born. And they, in turn, would tell their children, right? Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds but would keep his commands. Wouldn't you love for your kids to keep the Lord's commands? Amen. Well, do they know them? They would not be like their forefathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. He commanded us there again, teach your children. It's commanded Teach your children. You cannot pass on what you do not possess. You, re you reproduce what you are, not what you say. So if you aren't putting the word in your heart and you speaking it from your mouth, your kids aren't going to. That's ludicrous. We have to pass on the torch to the next generation. And I, I really want that light to still be burning when we pass on that torch. I think from mother to daughter, from mother to daughter, from mother to daughter, or to son, whichever it is. It may be. The light seems to grow weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. I really want to pass on a torch to my kids that is well lit. This leads me to my next point. Step three. So we're going to be kingdom seekers. We're going to be Bible literate. It hurts. It stings a little bit. And then step three, we're going to be truth speakers. Truth speakers. We're going to rest a minute right here. We'll spend some time in truth speakers and 
sorry, not sorry, but I'm going to say some things you, if you disagree with, take it up with Pastor Drew after church. <clears throat> He's so very wise, and he can guide you through things. <laughs> In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, it tells us that a time will come when men will no longer tolerate sound doctrine. Instead, they will gather around themselves teachers to suit their own desires. And I would dare say that that time is now. This generation is more confused than ever. And who is the author of confusion? We know it's not the Lord because he said, I am not the author of confusion. So if it is not him, then who is it? Satan. Let's say that name again. Satan. Don't be afraid to say that name to your kids. They need to know who the enemy is. They need to know. This generation is confused. They're not just questioning their gender. They're questioning their species. And the enemy sits back and he laughs. Ha! I have fooled them. If they can't understand the basics, oh, they'll never be. They'll never be preachers. They'll never be prophets. They'll never change the world for the kingdom because I've got them confused on the foundation. Before we teach our kids to read and write, we teach them the ABCs, right? You got to know your letters. Got to know them. Got to know your letters. Genesis chapter 1 is our foundation in our word. We got to understand that before we can move on. If my sweet little Annie comes to me at seven years old and says, Mommy, I just don't feel like there's an E in the alphabet. I'm not going to use it. I don't feel like it's really there. It's not a real letter. I'm not going to use it. I'm not going to look at her and say, oh, well, that's, that's interesting. I support you, though. If that's what you want to do, I'll support you, and I'll make sure that the world adapts to you. No. I'm going to say, well, that's funny, but it's really an E. It's in the alphabet. You're going to use it. It's in your name, right? So when my child comes to me and Annie comes to me and she says, Mommy, I think I'm a boy. I'm going to say, that's funny. You're not. Because my scripture is truth. Amen. Thank you for not booing me off the stage right there, okay? It is truth. The truth is hope. It is life. Why would I withhold that from my kid? Why would I let them go about in the world with the world pouring bold lies into their minds and their hearts and not reply with a bold truth? Do I love my kid? Absolutely. So I'm going to speak truth to my child. Genesis tells us, boys and girls, there's male, there's female. That's it. Now, those are the basics. You got that? Let's move on. The enemy will not confuse our kids if we don't allow him. He has no authority unless we give it to him. Don't think for a second that Satan will just leave your kids alone. He advances on our children. In Washington, a law has already been established that at 13 years old, if a kid decides they want to have a gender change, they can just run away from home and they're put in a safe house and given all the tools they need to change. 13 years old, you have no right over your kid anymore. The enemy advances. And I'm going to say this, it's going to hurt. 
we tend to sit back in the comfort of our churches and keep our mouths shut for the sake of political correctness. No more. No more. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a missionary preacher in Germany during the time of Hitler, and he said, silence about evil is evil itself. Silence about evil is evil itself. Why on earth would I be silent to the people that I love? I won't do it. The best way to lose the fight is to not show up. I will fight tooth and nail for my children. You may say, but Lori, I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want to damage our relationship. Our job is to worry about their soul, not their feelings. Not their feelings. Pastor Drew tells us all the time, feelings lie. Feelings are worthless. Tell your children. Feelings lie. John Piper said it this way. I love it. My feelings are not God. God is God. My feelings do not define truth. God's word defines truth. I am not concerned about your feelings, daughter. I am concerned about your soul. So we're going to work out this mess. I'm going to point you to the truth because now I'm Bible literate and I know where to find it. Speak truth to your children. Truth is a hill worth dying on. Amen. That takes me to step four. We have to have their heart. We have to have their heart if we're going to speak truth. Because truth without love is brutality. And love without truth is a lie. Truth without love is brutality. Love without truth is a lie. We can't be courageous parents and stewards of our children. We can't be that sharpened arrow if we don't have their heart. Because if we don't have their heart, we don't have their ear. I love this. Chelsea Cameron said this. If we don't have the heart of our children, we become disconnected humans living in a boarding house. Or better yet, a correctional facility. You should do this. That is wrong. That is sin. Go to your room. I don't want to see your face. What if God looked at you and said, go to your room. I don't want to see your face. No, that's not having their heart. That's putting off parenting. That's avoiding the job you've been called to. You have to have their heart. You have to spend time with our kids. We have to get to know them. We can't just be jostling them around from one place to the other place and dropping them off so that other people can parent them. You were called to parent your children, and you can't do that if you aren't with them. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. (laughs) If we have their heart, we have their ear. When my child comes to me and says, Mommy, do you like my outfit? I should be able to, I can respond with scripture. I can't see your outfit for all of the fearfully and wonderfully madeness coming out of you. (laughs) Come on, we can do that. Let your children know you enjoy them. You don't just tolerate them. Don't send them to their their room every time they try to come and talk to you because you never know when something in some insignificant conversation can dive deep. And before you know it, 
you're answering questions about faith you didn't know they were struggling with. Open up your time to your, child, your children. Let them in your heart. Let them know that they are treasures. Because the world tells us that the, our children are, are disposable burdens. They're easily gotten rid of when they are inconvenient. But God's word says, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. I knew you when you were in your mother's womb, and I cherished you. You are a gift. So why would you listen to the world? Speak that to your kids. Why would you listen to the world when it says you are disposable? Colossians chapter 2, verse 2 through 4 says, My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. I don't want my kids to be deceived. So Paul's saying, I don't want you new Christians to be deceived by fine-sounding argument. Remember what we read about in 2 Timothy, about gathering around people who are saying the things we want to hear? It's happening now. But we got to be able to say, looky here, those fine-sounding arguments are deception. They are luring you in to the enemy's hand. I don't want you to be deceived. If we have our kid's heart, we don't, come at, we don't try to fight off a bad attitude with another bad attitude. Anybody ever done that? <laughs> I'm guilty a little bit, you know. Take your bad attitude to your room. I don't want to see you. I just tried to fight off a bad attitude with a bad attitude there. We can't do that. Our kids have weaknesses. And if we have their heart, we won't let our reaction reflect their weakness. We will open our heart to find ways to strengthen them and help them, give them the tools they need to succeed in life, namely the word. We have to have their heart. You are exactly what your kids need when you are seeking the kingdom. When you are not seeking the kingdom, I don't know that you are. But when you are seeking the kingdom and in your word, you are exactly what your children need. They are your number one ministry. Everything else is white noise. All right, step five. Moms, we got to be brave. Motherhood is a real kick in the face, right? Like, you think it's just going to be, you know, just, just raising kids, just keep them alive. That's so much work and so much second guessing. Like, how many times in a day do you, like, feel really good about yourself and really terrible about yourself and really good about yourself and I didn't do that right and I, I did really good with you there but I really failed you there like you know oh you're nine and you you still can't tie your shoes chucks we forgot to do that we're gonna learn to tie shoes next um so much back and forth and back and forth we just war within ourselves I'm a good mom I'm a terrible mom I'm a really good mom I'm a terrible mom it takes bravery to be a mother it takes guts <laughs> to be a mother 
But if we listen to the Lord, arm ourselves with his word, speak his truth, and have our children's hearts, all that's left is just be brave. We can do that. We have to do that. I'm about to tell you why. Revelations chapter 21, verse 8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars will have their place in the fiery lake. He started out with cowardly and put it in the same sentence as murderers. If we are cowards in this culture, we will have our place in the fire. Like, whoa, we have to be brave. We can't just hide and hope that our kids turn out okay. We can't co-op our parenting out to the church two days a week or to the school, for heaven's sake. We get them at church two days a week. What happens on the other five? We can't co-op our parenting out. It's up to us. It's up to us. This is just a side note, but I, I love, I, I think it just needs to be heard. The boys, boys today, young boys. So, so 76% of public school teachers are women. Praise the Lord for the women that are stepping up to do that. 76% are women. Almost all kids' ministry workers in churches are women. So our kids go to school, our little boys, and they sit under a woman. They go to church and they sit under a woman. So many households don't have dad in the house. So they go home and they sit under a woman. And then we wonder why they're saying, I might be a girl. The only person they've been able to connect with everywhere they've been has been a woman. Step up, man. That's all I got to say. Step up. <laughs> I'm sorry. Father's Day, Pastor Drew will build you up, but there it is. I appreciate in this house that men did step up today. And I cannot tell you what that means. I know it's funny, but down to the babies, it matters. It matters that men are with them. They, men hold babies different. It matters. You smell different. It matters. They need the men to fill some positions in their lives so they have mentors to look at and say, I want to be like that man. Amen. Step up. Thank you for stepping up. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> All right. To be brave, sometimes we have to ruffle some feathers along the way. Anybody ever done something not the same way that your parents did it or your grandparents did it? I'm telling you. Sometimes the things people say to a homeschool parent, like, you know what? Mind your own parenting, okay? You may have to ruffle some feathers along the way. I, people seem to be offended when you choose to do something different than they did it. If you don't choose the same path they took, they take it as a slight against their person. I don't understand it. Oh, you use Nook Passies? Oh, I only use the Dr. Brown Passies. Like, come on. But there are going to be much bigger things that you're going to choose. My child is not going to go to that dance at the school. I don't trust what's happening. I don't trust that. Look, 
It blows my mind when people drop their children off to events that they've never been a part of, to sit under a speaker they've never heard. I, I love for other people to pour into my kids, but I want to hear you first. <laughs> Because I'm working really hard to prepare my children for the battle of this world, and I will not let you mess it up. So I want to know what you're going to say to my kids. If any time you want to come sit in kids' house and hear what I'm saying, I will not frown at you. You come and join. Come and hear what we're going to say. Same thing with the youth group. Like with Chad and Holly, like you want to know what they're being told? Go hang out in the youth group. Find out what your kids are hearing. It's good stuff, but you, you need to be... Aware. We need to be aware of things that are being poured into our kids because we are held accountable. We are held accountable. We don't have to worry about being heavy-handed with our kids. God's given us the authority. That's done. We've been given the authority as, as their parent to parent them, not just raise them. Raising sounds super easy. Parenting is where the work is. We've been given them to parent them. 1 Corinthians tells us that it is required. It is required that stewards be found faithful. And as parents, as moms, we are stewards. It is required that we be found faithful. If we are going to steward the next generation, we must be found faithful. Now, we don't have to... Fear how to do that because God's word has promised us that his wisdom is available and free. In James chapter 1, John chapter 10, he tells us our wisdom is free and available to you if you will just receive it. If you will just receive it and be prepared to work. Don, if you'll join me. Godly moms, your kids need you. To step up to the plate. The world needs you to step up to the plate. We set the tone. And I'm done being quiet. Not just for the sake of my kids, but all those other kids out there who don't have a parent praying over them, who don't have a parent speaking life into them. We got to step up to the plate for them. You know, he created mothers to guard life. Not just those in our home. Bow your heads with me. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for hearts that listen. I pray that as these women... Marinate in this word of becoming a kingdom seeker, a Bible user, a truth speaker, a heart holder, and a brave mother. Pray that you would begin to empower them. Arm them. Make them hungry for your word.